Good afternoon, everyone. The City Council's Budget and Audit Committee will please come to order. Would the clerk please call the roll? Thank you. Councilmember Talamantes? Here. Vice Mayor Guetta? Here. Mayor Pro Tem Vang? Here. And Mayor Steinberg? Thank you so much. I'm here. Uh, Councilmember Talamantes, you lead us with the, in the land acknowledgement. Everyone who can, please rise for the land acknowledgement and the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. Please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin Wintuned peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Salute. Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, again, good afternoon uh, to members of the public, to the city team, to my colleagues. Uh, we have a very important item to take up here as part of the Council's Budget and Audit Committee. Um, I guess we have a consent calendar before we get to that item. Are there any questions on the consent calendar? I'll, I'll move approval, Mr. Mayor. I'll second. I'll moved and seconded. Do we have uh, any public testimony, Madam Clerk? I have no speakers on the consent calendar. All right, thank you. All in favor of the consent calendar, please say uh, Aye. Wait, I'm sorry. We might have had a... I think this is an item, um, too. Kate, is your um, Kate is on Friday. the auditor's Kate activity report? Yes. Or it's on, yeah, on the audit okay, so on item number six? Yes. Okay, thank you. That's what I thought. Okay. All in favor of the consent calendar, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain. It passed unanimously. Now let's get to the main item today, which is an audit of the Sacramento Police Department's property and evidence division relating to sexual assault evidence kits. Mr. C. Otter, welcome to you and your team. Uh, we'd appreciate a presentation. We'll take public testimony and then we're gonna have, I'm sure, a very important discussion. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, Mayor and members of the Budget and Audit Committee. Jorge Oseguera, your city auditor. With me today are the members of my audit team that performed the audit, Kevin Christensen and Chevelle Jackson. The recommendation that is before you is that you pass a motion accepting the city auditor's audit of the police department's evidence and property division sexual assault uh, evidence kits and to forward to the city council for approval. First, we would like to thank the Sacramento Police Department uh, for their partnership in completing this project. We would also like to thank the Sacramento District Attorney's Office the County Crime Lab and other local law enforcement agencies that provided valuable information and for their assistance in completing this project. The objective of this audit uh, of the Sacramento Police Department's Evidence and Property Division was to determine whether the department is in compliance with California legislation regarding the storage, audit, reporting, and management of sexual assault evidence kits. Notably, this report is part of an ongoing audit of the Sacramento Police Department's Evidence and Property Division. According to the California Office of the Attorney General's Office, the amount of sexual assault crimes in the state of California have increased over the years. 
This increase in sexual assault crimes has been met with an increased focus by legislators and law enforcement agencies on the development of tools available to assist with investigations and uh, methods guiding how investigations are to be conducted. This follows significant advancement in technology in the use of DNA evidence to assist in law enforcement investigations. There has also been advancement in the development and use of databases to store and access DNA information at the federal, state, and local levels. To assist in the effectiveness of some of these new tools, the state legislator passed several state laws to address law enforcement agencies' obligations to victims of sexual assault in the handling, processing, and timely DNA testing of sexual assault and evidence. This audit focuses on two legislative bills, Assembly Bill Number 3118 and Senate Bill Number 22. Our first finding is that the police department has not previously taken steps to comply with a recent California law related to the auditing and reporting of untested sexual assault kits. As part of an, our analysis, we took two samples, a smaller judgmental sample of uh, sexual assault kits that were stored post-2016 and a statistical sample that was taken of those stored pre-2016. Testing of the more recent kits showed 100% of the samples had been actually tested. Testing of the pre-2016 kits identified 21% of the sample uh, that had not been tested. As a result, we applied that percentage to the total population of kits collected prior to January 1st, 2016, and we estimate that there would be about 340 collected uh, tests test kits that were untested. We want to be clear that the requirements of AB 3118 does not require the testing of these kits. Rather, the law requires that local law enforcement agencies conduct an audit to determine the total number of untested kits in its possession and report that information to the Attorney General. In other words, the department is not out of compliance by having untested kits. For finding one, we issued three recommendations. First, we recommended that the department assign staff to undertake an audit of sexual assault and evidence kits within the department's possession to determine the total number of untested sexual assault kits. To its credit, the department has already started working to implement this recommendation by assigning staff to conduct this audit. Second, we recommended that the department report the number of untested sexual assault kits to the California Attorney General Again, the department has started implementing this audit by reaching out to the Attorney General's office and committing to report this information uh, throughout the audit process. Third, we recommended that the department consider working with city management to identify and allocate resources to prioritize and test untested sexual assault and evidence kits. During the report writing phase of this project, the Sacramento Police Department management directed staff to complete the audit and submit the contents to the California Office of the Attorney General. In finding two, we discuss that there are opportunities for the Sacramento Police Department to strengthen their procedures related to the management and storage of sexual assault uh, and evidence kits. Specifically, uh, we found that uh, the Sacramento Police Department did not have policies in place to regularly audit sexual assault and evidence kits in its possession. Um, 
and that the Sacramento Police Department had not previously implemented a specific set of policies for the disposition of sexual uh, assault evidence kits as recommended by best practices. For finding two, we issued three recommendations. First, we recommended that the department consider conducting an audit of sexual assault and evidence kits in its possession to establish a total inventory. Second, we recommended that the department consider requiring regularly scheduled audits to identify metrics and collect and report on Sacramento Police Department management. Finally, we recommended that the department consider designing a disposition policy specifically addressing sexual assault and evidence kits that include different department reviews and approvals. The police department is in agreement with these recommendations and the department has already designed and implemented a disposition process specifically for the sexual assault and evidence kits. In our third and final finding, we found that opportunities exist for the department to seek grant resources to assist in funding the testing of untested sexual assault and evidence kits in its possession. For this finding, we had two recommendations. The first is to consult with the Sacramento District Attorney's Office and the Sacramento County Crime Lab to determine the laboratory availability, potential for outsourcing testing work, and potential costs associated with processing untested sexual assault and evidence kits in the department's possession. Second, we recommended that the department consider applying for grants that can assist with the reduction of un, uh, untested sexual assault and evidence kits. It is our understanding that the police department is already having these discussions and is actively working with uh, uh, with identifying a path forward. We also want to take a moment to bring to your attention a recent request that we received from the police department for assistance to enhance inventory practices. More specifically, the department requested that uh, we work with them to expand the scope of our current Sacramento Police Department Property and Evidence Division to determine compliance with federal, state, and local requirements pertaining to the purchase, inventory, monitoring, and reporting of its military equipment. If there is no objection, I will be sending out a letter to the mayor and council informing them of this request and scope expansion. We would like to thank the Sacramento Police Department for their cooperation in this audit, the various law enforcement agencies that we interviewed and provided assistance, the district attorney's office, the crime lab, and the city attorney's office for their assistance during this audit. We understand that the city is committed to continuous improvement. We look forward to continuing to work with the city council and the Sacramento Police Department to ensure that changes are made, adequately address the issues identified in this report, and that improvements are realized. This concludes my presentation, and I believe the police department also has some prepared remarks. Yes, thank you very much, Mr. City Auditor. I'm going to ask the police chief, Police Chief Lester, to come on up uh, to respond. Uh, chief Lester and her team, please. Thank you, Mayor. Bringing the team up as well. Um, just first of all, good afternoon. Thanks for allowing myself and our team to speak on this item. And I also really want to thank the auditor's office. They do a great job um, in just their ongoing work in helping us find process improvements across the city. So the topic of sexual assault is one that evokes really strong emotions, I know. In the most simple sense, it equates to a crime and serious ones. But I also feel that we collectively have a really strong response to these types of assaults because they are violations of our basic right to safety and security. Sexual violence can have psychological, emotional, and physical effects on survivors and can certainly impact victims in many other ways. 
That's why this investigation is so important to our department and to myself. Um, we are committed really to doing everything we can to help the victims of this type of crime and bring justice to them. Um, the auditor uh, had a great quote um, just kind of explaining why this report um, came to be. You know, due to the increase in sexual assaults over the past years in California, our legislator, legislature passed several state laws to address law enforcement agencies' obligations to the victims of sexual assaults in the handling, processing, and timely testing of sexual assault evidence or other crime scene evidence. Goes on to say that the objective of the audit was to determine whether our evidence and property division is operating in compliance with applicable policies, laws, and industry best practices. And uh, certainly want to thank our city auditor for covering the recommendations. Um, Steve Oliveira is here as well, and he'll go into uh, those recommendations and provide a current status update of the work of our investigative team, as well as some additional details um, that I think are important to share since the publication of the audit um, and the work by our department is continuing. It's really a complicated topic, so I just wanted to make sure that I address a few things. The department is currently 100% in compliance with Senate Bill 22. That passed in 2019, and it required that all kits that came into the police department's uh, possession be tested. Our department has 973 kits, and all have been tested. Um, after the passing of SB 22, the department proactively assigned a detective to ensure compliance with that law last year, and full compliance was reached. Um, and while testing wasn't mandated by law prior to 2016, we know some investigative decisions were made related to the testing of these kits. And we also know the significance of these types of cases. Um, there are emerging and new technologies that can help us solve these, and that's why testing is so important. So even though it's not legally required, we have assigned a former sex assault detective to review all cases to see if there is testing that can be conducted to further these investigations. And then as the auditor mentioned in 2018, Assembly Bill 3118 was passed, which required all departments to conduct an audit of untested sex assault kits in their possession, report this number to DOJ. And while I cannot tell you the reason our department did not report. I know that even though the window of time has closed, our team has worked with the Department of Justice and they are willing to accept our report. Um, so not only will we be completing that report, we will also be making that information available to the public. Um, as of last, last Friday, we know we have less than about 300 kits that are untested. These kits go back to the 1980s, well before my time. And policies and processes have certainly changed during that period of time. So as of today, we're examining each of those untested kits individually. We're gonna report out um, the reasons for the kit not being tested, if we know, and then we will be re-examining those kits to see um, if they would benefit from possible additional testing. So this issue is certainly a matter of public concern, and I can assure you that we, as a department, take these cases very seriously, as we know we have a duty to do everything we can to bring those responsible for these heinous crimes to justice. And again, I would like to thank the city auditor and his team for their work and recommendations. And would also like to thank our department staff who've been very diligent in their response. We concur with all of the recommendations and even though it's not required as part of the audit, like I said, we will be providing um, a response for the untested kits and be making that public. So if it's okay, I would like to turn this over to Deputy Chief Oliveira just to present a little more information each of the recommendations so we can share with you what we're doing. Please. Thank you. Thank you. 
Good afternoon, uh, members of the Budget and Audit Committee. Um, so, first of all, I want to start, I want to provide some additional information on the auditor's findings and recommendations. Um, I did do a response, it's a memo response that's attached to the back, but it's, it's very um, simple, so I just wanted to provide some more details to you. Um, I'd like to stay, start by saying, as the Chief mentioned, that we do concur with all of the recommendations and we are proactively addressing them as we speak. So um, as mentioned, AB 3118 um, from 2018, the year 2018, required California law enforcement agencies to conduct an inventory of sexual assault evidence kits in their possession and report the number of untested kits to the California Department of Justice by July 1st of 2019. So for unknown reasons, um, our department did not comply with AB 3118. Uh, the audit report does state that it was likely uh, staffing sh uh, shortages that may have been a factor. Um, AB 3118 required law enforcement agencies to conduct an inventory and submit how many kits were untested and the reasons why to DOJ, which is what we're working on now on the remaining kits. Uh, it did not require the actual testing of those kits. So then SB 22 came along, that's in 2019 which required California law enforcement agencies to submit all kits collected from January 2016 and forward them for DNA testing. The audit, was, the audit found that SPD was in 100% compliance with this law, as you heard earlier. All of our kits since 2016 have been sent to the DA Crime Lab. The kits are automatically sent to the DA Crime Lab now from the medical provider for testing. Under the current process, SPD only takes possession of the kits after the Crime Lab completes their testing. Uh, the city auditor recommended we conduct an audit of the sexual assault kits in our possession to determine the total number of untested kits. Our evidence and property division conducted a total physical inventory and count of all untested kits. And right now our number we are looking at is 291 untested kits are currently in our inventory. That could change slightly. Um, at this point it appears only approximately 20 of those were not actually sent to the crime lab. And that number could change. Can you see that last point again? Last You're saying all but 390 so, have been sent to the crime lab? So two, we have 291 untested 91. kits in our inventory, but approximately 20 of those were likely not, were not sent to the crime lab right around that many. The, the remainder were sent to the crime lab? Correct. And you don't have the results back yet? There's different reasons why they wouldn't have been tested, and then they were returned to us. And we can have, if you want to, Josh, want to come up here. This is Lieutenant Dobson. He was intimately involved in the uh, audit process and worked with the uh, but city to, I mean, office. But just, I know you guys, it's all, you do this, but yeah. for the public and even for yeah, yeah. lay, that's lay, lay people, yeah. so what, the, the import of what I'm trying to ask is that 270 cases that you properly sent, old cases that you properly sent to the lab were not tested. And why, I guess is the question. And there are 20 remaining is what you're saying that were never sent to the crime lab. I'll give you the specifics, Mayor. Please go, go right in the mic if you don't mind. Good afternoon, thank you. Uh, Your name, just I did for the record. Lieutenant Joshua Dobson. I'm thank you, the, Lieutenant. I'm uh, the manager for the evidence and property section who was uh, partnered with the auditing team to uh, con conduct this audit. What we found from the audit when we did the physical audit, which we had to compare both the computer list from our physical count in the warehouse, was that the of the identified untested kits, each of these kits had a sticker that told us that it traveled some point in its history of being stored at the evidence and property section to the county crime lab. I see. Each one of those kits is going to be investigated and examined by our um, sexual assault detective to determine why at that point it went to the county crime lab. And for pre-2016, you have to understand that 
it was determined whether they would make a decision the district attorney's office our investigators would make a decision about that individual case whether it warranted further dna testing so we have to do that evaluation for each one of those kits before we can determine exactly why those kits were not tested but they did go through the course our standard course of traveling to the crime lab and then for whatever per decision was made we were researching that thank you that's helpful you're welcome thanks josh you bet all right, and the city auditor recommended that we report the number of untested kits to the attorney general. Uh, we have corresponded with the DOJ's Department of Forensic Sciences, and we are actively working to complete this report to provide it to the DOJ. AB 3118 requires law enforcement agencies to provide a reason the kit was not tested, as uh, the chief explained. Uh, the city auditor recommended we consider working with city management to identify and allocate resources to prioritize, prioritize and test untested sexual assault kits. We are currently utilizing reserve annuitants to assist with the completion of the audit process that includes evaluation of our past pre-2016 untested kits. Uh, we use annuitants so our current detectives can focus on their current caseloads. The city auditor recommends we conduct an audit of all of our kits in its possession to establish a total inventory. A total physical inventory has been completed. Each kit that is identified as untested is again a thorough case review by the Sacramento County Crime Lab and our annuitant, a retired sex assaults and child abuse detective, as uh, Josh Lieutenant Dobson talked about. Uh, Pre-2016, a case would have been evaluated by the DA and our investigators. There are a variety of potential reasons for not submitting a kit for testing. Uh, this could be anything from a suspect is known to the victim and both admit to the act, a uh, suspect was arrested and confessed, um, there was not enough DNA sample to test, uh, potentially the victim recanted, and those are just some of the reasons that potentially could uh, be an explanation for a kit not being tested. If it is determined circumstances or technology in a case that was previously not tested has changed, we will be resubmitting that sample for testing. Uh, the city auditor recommends we consider regularly scheduled audits and identify metrics to collect and report to SPD management. Our evidence and property section have already created a new storage procedure for all kits. Uh, with improvements, with these improvements, we will be able to conduct periodic audits internally. Uh, the city auditor recommends we create a disposition policy addressing sexual assault evidence that adheres to current legislation, and we have done that and updated our disposition policies. The city auditor recommend recommends that we consult with the DA's office and the county crime lab to determine laboratory availability to test untested kits. Uh, so the crime lab, it's a county crime lab, has supported our audit process and has not currently denied any request for additional follow-up kits that we recognize as needing additional testing. Uh, the crime lab absorbs the cost of all the kits of crimes that occur inside within Sacramento County. This includes the city. We have consulted with the DA, and at this time, the crime lab offers the best opportunity for prosecution and victim advocacy for these sensitive cases. Uh, issues with using private labs, uh, private labs must be vetted. Private labs um, require expert testimony and process may not be admissible in court. Uh, private labs open and close and offer no long-term foundation for evidence continuity. Um, so not all counties um, within the country have their own crime labs, so we're kind of a, a special case in that, that it's under the district attorney's office, and so that's the county crime labs under them, and they actually process all our DNA evidence. Uh, the city auditor recommends we consider searching for and applying for grants that can assist with our reduction of untested sexual assault kits in our possession. 
So while the crime lab absorbs the cost for testing the kits, there may be opportunities for funding cold case investigators and or professional staff for auditing the storage of our kits. Uh, we also support grant funding for the county crime lab who, as I mentioned, absorb our testing costs. Um, so with that, that's the end of my report. And Thank you. Any questions? Thank you, Chief. Let us uh, hear from the public, then we'll turn it over for questions and discussion. Thank I think you. Ms. Carpolo, uh is back. Welcome. Yes, and then I do have one person online. I have one person online. It's, it's a two-minute limit. Is, two minutes, yeah. yeah so do the best you can. Thank Hi, you. my name is Kate Carpolo, and um, while I know several of you, I haven't had the opportunity to meet many of you. By way of an introduction, I've worked in public policy for over 30 years, focusing on issues related to women, families, and children. Last time I think I testified here, I was chair of the Sacramento Women and Girls Advancement Coalition. But today I come before you as the organizer of an informal work group um, that I brought together to examine, identify constructive actions to ensure the timely proce processing of sexual assault evidence kits, commonly known as rape kits, as well as actions to end the backlog. And my main partner in this is Beth Hassett, who I know all of you know from Weave. Um, I am quite frankly so pleased with this effort on so many different sides, and my hat is off to the work that has been done here. It is, it is excellent. Um, and so I just want to start with that really positive remark. Um, and if I'm, you know, the auditor's report was just thorough and brought so much information to the council and to the public. Um, but also the um, police department's response is a model of really positive and constructive response to get on, the, on what needs to be done. Um, there is one note, just given the presentations that I'm sure you're all aware of, is that the changes in technology for the 270 cases that remain um, under investigation um, has changed so much and we have learned so much about the likelihood um, or probability of serial um, perpetrators um, that even if a perpetrator admitted to their guilt, their, the loading of their DNA can help solve other cases and there's many examples of this throughout the country. Um, continuing this constructive direction that's, you know, uh, resounding in the room here, I would like to ask the council and this committee's um, uh, uh, oversight, your, your continuing oversight and involvement. I think it's critical not just to have it be part of the bureaucracy, but to raise it up. Secondly, um, I know that the... Thank you for your um, comments. Your time is complete. Um, I just have 15 seconds. Yes, Thank I'm going to agree. Um, the, there is money in the budget this year for follow-up with um, rape kits. Um, and I just ask that we open, um, continue our dialogue. So thank you so much. Thank you for all your hard work on this issue. Thank you, Dylan. Carpo, appreciate it. Uh, Dylan Hoy-Bianchi. Hi, can you hear me? We can. Hi, yeah, I'm calling. Um, so obviously there's you know a lot of disagreement um, in among the public about the role of the police but I think that most people would agree that solving crimes um, and you know be attempting to bring people who commit crimes to justice is sort of the, the fundamental core responsibility of the police and I think that this is just yet another example of how they consistently fail to do even that um, this many untested kits is is sickening and unacceptable and I I'd be shocked if they face any repercussions or have to take any accountability for their failures here, but, but let's call it what it is. It's a failure. Um, you know, the, and this is after multiple years of budget increases given to them by this county. I think it's frankly disgusting that they're going to try and claim that it was because of understaffing that they weren't able to test all these kits. Um, 
you know, they, this is this is their core basic bare minimum function is is examining evidence and attempting to solve crimes, and they can't even get that right. Why are we continuing to give them raises? Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Mary, have no more speakers. All right, let's turn it over to my colleagues. I know I have some questions and comments, but I'm going to start with Vice Mayor Guetta and Councilmember Talamantes. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, first, um, you know, Chief or wh whoever wants to come up, uh, let me let me start off here by talking a little bit. And in full disclosure, I'm, I'm a board member for the SAC Regional Family Justice Center. As am I. As you are. Yes. We both sit on this, and, and uh, we know that... Uh, Victims of uh, domestic violence and human trafficking and elder abuse and this child abuse um, rely on making sure that we have this data and evidence available, and um, and so to me that uh, I know that you know both of us take this issue very seriously, uh, and this is very concerning that you know we still have you know kids out there, right? and um, I'll start by saying that you know interestingly enough I worked for. Both of the authors, you know, David Chu and Senator uh, uh, Connie Leva, uh, during these discussions, and um, I, my, uh, a couple questions here. Let me start off by the positive in saying that it that it, it just like um, you know, uh, Ms. Carpitolo mentioned uh, that uh, that we're in full compliance, that there's a positive response. I want to recognize that. Thank you. I want to start off there, um, but I do think that it's important to. Um, to identify why, even though you weren't chief at the time, what were the issues that were occurring that did not allow this department for following with compliance. In 2017, when I remember this conversation occurring, uh, there was, um, I wouldn't say, um, you know, um, a, a, an ignorance of, the, of how many rape kits were out there, but there was an ambivalence by many departments throughout the state that didn't want to allocate the appropriate staff resources. Um, and we, every department has resources, um, which led to, um, you know, 13, uh, 31, 18, 31, and then after that, SB 22 with, with Leva to recognize that we've got to look moving forward, making sure that we set clear direction and standards for departments to respond. But my, my concern is, is, you know, it was stated by one of our deputy chiefs that reasons were unknown. And I think it's important to try to find out what were those. Were they financial reasons, bureaucratic reasons, to figure out what was happening at that time for our department. As, at, that is just as important as us, is what we're going to do prospectively. So uh, that's my first question and concern. It's not enough to say, well, we don't know why we didn't do that. You're in compliance now, but but it's not enough to just leave that in the background because we need to learn from the prior mistakes. That was the impetus for the two pieces of legislation, was recognizing that there were multiple prior mistakes in the history. So let me, let me ask that there. And then the second is uh, we heard that you concur, the department concurs with the audit recommendations, uh, but what steps are you already taking 
to make sure that you comply and in what time frame are you looking at complying? So let me stop there because those are two big questions and then I have a couple other questions. Sure, I'll do my best to answer them. Unfortunately, for the first question that you asked, why did this not happen back in 2019? I don't have an answer for you. You know, um, I can tell you that many senior leaders in our department have moved on to retirement and so they are just simply not here to ask and we don't have records. What I can tell you is when the information, when we found that this audit had not been completed and sent to DOJ, we did work with the auditor's office and this is a short period of time um, that they had requested all departments report back to the state on the status of their kits. And so that window is closed. However, they will still accept our report. And I think it's really important in the interest of just, you know, the public to know what the status of those report of those untested kits are. Because there may be some very legitimate reasons why the kits were not tested as the team here has brought forward, but I just don't know and can't answer. And so for your second question on timeline, what I can say is that we've got a detective who has been working on this, um, I mean, very regularly and uh, has gone through a number of the kits. And what we'd like to do is be able to report out on the reasons so we can you know, really provide a clearer picture. But we certainly didn't want to wait. The auditor has, you know, a timeline to report back on this. And so we will be documenting and getting that information uh, to you as quickly as possible. I just can't give you a timeline, but I can guarantee um, that we are committed to it. Um, it isn't getting dropped and we do have a person assigned to do it and to give you a thorough report. So um, let me start with the last thing, go backwards. Uh, um, I'd like to see a clear timeline. And this is budget and audit, so this will come to the council. Um, there needs to be a response from the department on how and when we're going to meet with the auditor's recommendations. That That's important because, just like in a prior meeting, uh, hearing here, we need to discuss, you know, what's, what's it going to take to make sure that we're in compliance. Uh, and I, again, I truly believe that you are committed to these, uh, to making sure that that all of this work is done and that the department's in compliance. But um, given the history, and, and this is why I can't let it off the hook, you know, that we weren't in compliance. The California Police Chiefs Association supported SB 22. You know, there were, there were leadership throughout the state that was involved in these conversations. So, you, so it, to me, it, it's, it's troublesome to hear, and I know we've had a lot of retirement, uh, and movement, so uh, it's, it's troublesome to hear that we've had that in the past. Um, moving forward, I think it's important that we give the public also an understanding of, of where our challenges are. And I and and again, I worry about some of the rationales and the reasons why a certain kit isn't tested. Um, and uh, I'm not going to be here as a crime expert or whatnot. But for example, when someone recants or whatnot. We know in that in domestic violence cases, many times people go back to their perpetrator and they recant. So it was, again, the impetus of testing as many kits as possible. So I, 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 I want to get information about what, what were the rationales for not testing kits. And we understand the, the, we're the biggest city in the county. We send the most probably to the county. Uh, crime lab. So it's it's in the county's best interest for us to be able to have a good process that the smaller cities and the county also respond to. So we're, we're, we need to be leaders in in this process here. So I, I do want to thank you for, you know, the 
the positions you've taken to say this, this is how we're going to come into compliance. But without a clear timeline, I worry about that. Um, the last question I have, well, one of the last questions I have here, and then I'll let it go forward, is uh, walk me through um, the process that you're thinking through about where to, where to make priorities. I understand your staff has restrictions and whatnot, but um, again, I, I want to hear through like how you're going to really confront what's up ahead of us. Yeah, well, and thank you very much. So uh, just to kind of clarify, SB 22 was the requirement that we test all kits after 2016, and we are 100% in compliance. So all kits have been tested, um, and moving forward, they will continue to be tested. So there's not the discretion there that there was prior to 2016, where it could be a decision between the investigator and the district attorney. Well, I certainly don't have a spreadsheet of the different decisions or the decision tree. I'll do whatever we can to try and find out what did lead to decisions if uh, kiss, the, the, the the kits weren't tested. Having said that, you know, we have continued to work on this um, based on the auditor's finding, and it was really just last Friday, I think we had a complete picture of where we stood with the untested kits. Um, so having said that, let me take that question back to the team and report back to this body on a reasonable timeline for getting that information um, to you as far as, uh, you know, the status of each kit, and you know whether they'll be submitted for further testing based on the information available. So if I could do that, I would, I would appreciate that. Um, and then you said you had a. Did I answer all the questions? Yeah, we talked about you, you, you kind of des described it, like your process of like. Oh, process. Okay, what are what are we going to do to make sure that we? Yeah, you know, I think don't I th fall back out of compliance. Like who you know what frameworks have, are you putting in place? Sure, and I'm actually we'll probably grab Captain Greg Halstead um, up to talk about this because he really is an expert. But just from um, come on up, <laughs> sitting there. Um, just from my knowledge, what happens now is that the kits go directly from the medical provider to the county crime lab. They don't ever come to the police department until they're completed. And so that's a real benefit, I think, of the new legislation and the changes there. There's not discretion on what gets tested and what doesn't. Now, certainly you want to find a way to audit all of your processes, but it'll be a different auditing process moving forward because we won't have this issue of untested kits, if that makes sense. And then I'm sure um, Captain Halstead can give you a little bit further. Yeah, just as the chief mentioned, moving forward, we would not be able to come out of compliance because all kits are automatically sent to the crime lab for testing. They don't even come into our possession until they've gone through the crime lab for testing. Then they come back to us for storage. So when a victim is taken to a medical facility, those kits are picked up, taken directly to the crime lab by the crime lab. And so moving forward, we should never fall out of compliance because it's not discretionary anymore. Great. Thank you very much. Mr. Mayor, uh, with that, I'll, I'll move the uh, staff auditor's report to the city council uh, with the direction also of requiring that we have a, a response of uh, how the timeline to meeting the recommendations. Yeah. And what I'd like to see also is that the city manager provide um, a report annually of where we are yes. on the kits. I don't want us to find ourselves in, in, a, in a time where we've uh, fallen out of pace of this. It would be great, Chief and team, if we could get that timeline by the time we get to the city council as opposed to passing that motion and then having the timeline identified after. Please. Thank you. Vice Mayor. Okay, uh, Councilmember Talamantes. Thank you, Mayor. Um, first, I have to address uh, how I felt when I read this report. Um, 
I just found many pieces of the report just completely unacceptable, um, plain and simple unacceptable. You know, throughout my life, <laughs> being a small petite woman, I have to, in college, I had to see what time my classes got out, where I parked my car, where I biked, <laughs> where I walked. Even now, I left the Golden One Center on Friday, Sunday night, and it was 9.30, and I was like, okay, where am I gonna park, where am I gonna walk? I'm always, always aware of my surroundings. And I tell people when I'm leaving a place and when I'm getting to a place and when I arrive home safely. And so, reading this report just made me feel uneasy. Um, I'm sure it made other women feel uneasy and other people at risk feel uneasy about where we categorize these incidents and in the priority scale, you know, for the police department. You know, we have audits of firearms and narcotics, but we didn't until the new legislation got passed and then when the sexual harassment kits audits began. So I don't know if Chief Foster, if you wanna address kind of my concern, I'm sure other people's concerns of, you know, this audit and just the feelings around it. Well, and I don't disagree with you. You know, I think anyone reading this report would have concerns, especially, and that's why I wanted to bring that forward, um, you know, when I first came up to talk about, you know, what an issue this type of crime is and the impact it has on our community and our really our feelings of collective safety, you know. Um, and so I don't disagree with you at all on that. I think auditing is really important, not just on this issue, but across the board, especially when we have items of sensitivity. And certainly, you know, um, one of the most important things I think you can do as a chief um, is the evidence and property audits. And that's why I really am very thankful for the city auditor. We are not trained auditors. You know, we do um, our best at making sure that we follow all of our policies, the rules that we're complying, and that we really are doing everything we can uh, to do solid investigations, make sure that those are complete. But in any case, and I've never been adverse to this, I think it's always helpful to have a second set of eyes on your processes and policies, especially because we don't live in a static environment. You know, We're talking about cases that happened sometimes decades ago, and the processes were really, really different. And these um, issues, you know, even as long as I've been through the department, were not known to me either. And that's why I really appreciate the work of the auditor so that we can correct it and we can go back and find ways to, to improve things. And I think one of the most important things that we can do collectively as a city and as electeds is to try and be forward thinking um, in all of our processes and see what we can do knowing the importance of um, trying to make sure that we don't have gaps in our policies and processes to build those in early and to not only self audit but to have a system of checks and balances across the board and this is just one example of where I think it would have been really really helpful thank you thank you um, other agencies in California and elsewhere applied for and received fundings for their audits uh, these agencies then saw increased prosecutions for sexual assault including serial rapists um, what made what about Sacramento made us uniquely avoidant of applying for this funding and have we sought the grant funding since then I don't know if uh, Oliveira, if you want to, that's your, no, okay. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have sat down. Um, I apologize. Um, <laughs> I have two more questions. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stay here. Um, so I guess I didn't quite understand your question. There was grant funding for... Um, Other agencies were able to take advantage of grant funding that helped them complete all their uh, test kits from oh, prior years. I see so what you're saying. So did Sacramento apply for it? Why, why didn't we? 
and how can we if we need that extra support in our budget to be able to complete the thorough audit? Yeah, and there's actually probably two, uh, two different ways to look at it. There's what um, law enforcement does and then the county crime lab. Do you want to address that? When AB, in our research from AB 3118, when we re realized that it was an oversight on our part, we looked back and during, during when that law dropped, there were several um, grants available to help fund that, but that's that that window is already closed for those specific grants. We took it upon ourselves to use our own operating budget uh, and, and come work backwards to, to fulfill that. By the time we apply for a grant right now, this this portion of the audit would already be complete. Moving forward, though, for additional auditing, that's where we agreed with the auditors and the auditing team that we should be looking for specific grants that would allocate what we need for for funding moving forward in the future. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And well, thank you for letting me know that you used your operating budget to be able to do these test kits because that was actually my next question. Like, you know, I mean, in 2016, your team wasn't here in this leadership role. So it's like, why didn't the team at that time come to council for direction, you know, for guidance to, to get help? I mean, we want to help every single person that has submitted a test kit to make sure that they get answers. So, okay. Um, you know, I'm gonna pause for a second and then I'll I'll come back. I think I have a few more questions. Okay, actually, I think Steve has one thing down. If that's okay. okay, I just want to clear it up. Just so that law that came in place was just to do the audit, and that's the grants he was talking to about. Yeah. Actual funding, like grants for actually testing the kits, we don't pay for that. That is all done through the county crime lab, and okay. so it's out of their budget. And as we mentioned, they have no problem with if we submit something, they will test it for us. So okay. that we can't submit for funding for testing kits because we don't test the kits. We don't use a private lab. It's all done through the county crime lab, which is very, it's different than a lot of counties that use different organizations to test their samples. So. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, happy to hear that we're 100% in, in compliance now. Um, you know, wish we can go back in the years before to, to get those answers, as Councilmember Guerra said, our vice mayor. Um, getting those answers to 2016 and beyond, like where, what happened and where was that, where was the glitch, I think, if that's the word to say about it, um, and how we got here, I think is really important in the story of this audit. Well, let me, let me take that a step farther. Um, and first of all, thank you, uh, Chief and your team for uh, leading forward here. Um, pleased uh, with how, Obviously serious, you've taken the audit and the collaborative spirit with which you've worked with the auditor. Mr. Auditor, thank you for an excellent report. It's all your team, you and your team. You know, straight down the middle um, in, a, in a way that's hard hitting uh, and that really helps the city in a constructive way. So thank you for that. This issue of the, the past versus the present is so important. I mean, think about the amount of time we spend talking about and in fact developing tools around addressing racial equity and how we talk about implied bias and uh, the history of redlining and the history of discrimination uh, in our city. Why should it be any less when it comes to gender, when it comes to, when it comes to women who have been victimized by the worst kind of crime? And this whole past does beg questions, and I would like us to look deeper into this, because I think there needs to be an accounting, if not a reckoning, since it was uh, you know, some time ago, there needs to be an accounting. 
And we need to own that. And we may owe apologies or other, um, or, or, or other relief to people because I wanna, I wanna get in a tiny bit of detail here uh, on the past, okay? And that is Madam Chief or, or team, Chief Oliveira, whatever, whatever you want. Um, got a great chief here, so it's, it's all good. The first woman chief, by the way, um, in the city of Sacramento, a very proud designation. Thank you. Um, so when was this problem discovered? Um, about the kits? About I, the kits. I, actually, if I could defer to the auditor in their timeline, because I don't have in front of me. Uh, Mr. Auditor, would you mind, or Kevin, coming up and just talking about when the process um, started? I know that we started really working on compliance in the okay. spring of last year. When, when, when was the problem discovered? Uh, Kevin Christensen, uh, City Auditor's Office. Um, we discovered the issue of the non well, the fact that they hadn't done an audit of the kits in about May of this year. 2023. Um, mm -hmm. Right. Okay, and, and, but prior to that, was the police department dealing with the 2016 going forward kits or not? Right, so I think part of the issue here is the distinction between the two different laws, SB 22 sets this, well, there was a date set, I guess, between SB 22 and AB 3118, this, this January 1st, 2016 date, where SB 22 required all kits tested going forward. AB 3118 was an audit of the kits going backwards. Okay, what about the going forward? That law was passed when? So I think in 2019. In 2019, so beginning in what, 2020? the city began processing all the kits that had been backlogged from 2016 going forward? That is, so that's our understanding, is that the police department at that point in time um, brought a, uh, a couple of retired annuitants back, and that law was a little more stringent than 3118. That law required the police department to actually go into each file, look at the kit, and then look in each investigative file to determine if there was any other evidence that had any kind of potential DNA evidence on it and then test that. So. And these were all kits that, um, some which preceded 2016 or were they all 2016 to 2019 when the, when the law was passed? So SB 22 was 2016 forward. Was 2016 forward, Correct. okay. And the next law went pre-2016 is what you're saying? Correct. The and old ones. Okay, so I want to just take the 2016 to 2020, really, because a 2019 law goes into effect January 1 of 2020. So that's four years' worth of kits that were sitting there in the city of Sacramento, correct? Yes. How many? Um, we, did not, we did not look at that as part of this project. So what we did is look at... You know, at Chief... How many kits sat between 2016 and 2020 when the, when the law went into effect that required you to test kits from 2016 going forward? I do not know. And I will try and see if we can, is, if we can find it, out. But is I it hundreds? Um, I know we had, uh, the number I was given was we have 973 kits within our possession um, from 2016 moving forward. And those were the kits that were required for mandatory testing. And then we had a detective, a retired detective, assigned to this last year who got us into full compliance in Last December. year, 2022. 2022. And then got us into full compliance. But there may have been work that was done by 
previous There may have been, but by and large, and again, I, I'm not, you, you're doing the right thing. You grasped this problem when you found out about it, and you're moving forward and ensuring it never happens again. And the only reason to relitigate the past is to make sure that it does not occur again in the future. Sure. And what I'm trying to establish here is that there were hundreds of victims of sexual assault whose kits sat there between 2016 and 2020 without anybody testing them. Well, I don't know the answer. I don't know if that's, and not to disagree with you, Mr. Mayor, at all. I just don't have all of the information. We don't know. I, but, but we don't said, know. Yeah. You said it was 973 and they eventually were tested at some point. It doesn't matter. There were hundreds of them. And it does, so it does matter. So this is, and, and you know, you look at, I ask, ask the question, how many sexual assault perpetrators repeat their crimes? Um, how many repeat their crimes on a, uh, on a multiple basis? A and the answer to that is hot. Uh, well, I don't know. The, the answer is there are s some real percentages of people who uh, commit these kinds of crimes more than once, right? Within a, w within a short to medium period of time. Certainly, I think that's possible, and I think that's why the California okay. legislature. So there, this so law. there you go. There needs to be an accounting in this city. There just needs to be, and and, and to know specifically, to know specifically whether or not people, when the tests, when okay, here you go, when the kits were tested, and you identified the county crime lab, and the police identified the perpetrator. I'd like to know whether that perpetrator is, was accused of more than one sexual assault from the earlier time of 2016-ish going forward until the testing was done. We need to know that. You'd want to know it. I mean, uh, we talk, we, we, we're accountable for everything. Everything that, that happens in this city, right, um, that is of significance, we, we want to know what happened. And so, because the laws are now in place at the state level, we have a police chief that is obviously committed to making this a priority, but you're gonna be the police chief for a long time, but maybe not forever. What, what, what are we doing, I mean, to make sure that we never go back? Well, I think that the like SB 22 and the law that's put in place really ensures um, moving forward that we're going to test that these are going to get tested, okay. right? Which I think is huge. I guess so. But that's, you, you, that's true. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. Thanks, Mayor. Um, I'll keep my comments short. Um, and first, just wanted to thank Jorge and your entire team for a really thorough um, audit and to help us getting to this moment and really shining a light on um, what's been happening just in our uh, SAC PD department. And I also just want to say thank you to Chief Lester as well as for concurring and being a, collab a collaborative partner. I know that um, this happened not under your leadership, but appreciate you um, stepping up to the plate to take responsibility and figuring out how we can move forward. Um, I, too, share very similar concern from Vice Mayor, from the Mayor, and uh, Council Member Talamantes. Um, this is about continuous improvement, but these are also people's lives, right? Um, from, from 2016 to 2020, 
many hundreds of kits out there without being tested. And I think that's why you hear the frustration from the budget and audit committee members and ensuring that this doesn't happen again. Um, we heard from Council Member Talamantis about perhaps missed grant opportunities that could have helped fund uh, the work to ensure that those test kits could have been um, completed. Um, and so um, I think all of us are concerned. I know folks are, say, folks are saying we are now in compliance, but understanding what happened from that time frame is just as important as well. And so um, I, I think it's important as a city that we really need to own it, apologize for the harm that we may have caused right, um, to these women in particular. Um, but I want to second Vice Mayor's motion that one, we approve this audit, but with the recommendation that the police department comes back in terms of the timeline, I really want to have a better understanding of those untested kits. I think uh, we owe it to the public, we owe it to ourselves. Um, I know there was another chief during that time, but uh, for us to be able to move forward, even though we are now in compliance, it's also important for us to understand what happened in the past so that we don't repeat that moving forward. Even though there is a state law now, we have to make sure that we we correct the wrong that happened. And so I uh, want to second Vice Mayor's motion on that. And I would actually like a timeline on when uh, Chief Lester can actually come back and report that to us. I don't know if that's a memo, but I think we need to yeah. um, set a timeline on that. Mayor, I don't know if you have an idea on that or if Chief, you have an, you know, because we need that timeline. Well, why don't they have, why don't they bring that back when they come to the full city well, to council, the full council with the timeline? Okay. Okay. That was in the motion. Okay. Yeah, that's in the motion. Okay, sounds great. So I would I would second that with the timeline and to come back to the full council for uh, consideration. I'd like to just make one other point here that just has to be said, which is now that we're going backwards, which we must, and there are hundreds, almost 300 that are now in the city possession that were returned and we don't yet know why they weren't properly tested, a number of them, and then there were 20 which were never sent. Obviously, there could be a public safety time bomb um, sitting among those nearly 300 cases. I mean, is there a perpetrator out there who uh, could strike again whose DNA is included in those 300 cases? So I would, you know, make that the highest of priorities. And the, the, the last thing, and this is, and Chief Oliveira, I appreciate that you said, right, there are many, when it comes to discretion, we know that um, there are many reasons cases are prosecuted or not prosecuted. I get that. But there's a line in this report, that, uh, in the audit, that really bothered me and that stuck out to me. And, and it's this, um, that when SPD officials were interviewed about this, I guess by the auditor, they stated that SAE kit testing is expensive. And in some instances, the cases connected to the SAE kit carried a low probability of investigative or prosecutorial success. Huh? Expensive? Expensive? How expensive? What, what's the price here that we're putting on one of these cases? It speaks to, at least in the past, an implied bias. And I don't know, I'm not an expert on DNA, but I do know that a match is a match. And if you match, a, you know, it's a billion to one and the match is made, that's prosecutorial success based upon the, the match. So some of this just does not ring true for me in terms of the past. And there needs to be an accounting for the past. Thank you. There's a motion. Oh, and her, oh, the auditor, yes, please. Um, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, when we did uh, identify this as a potential issue, the police department did not hesitate 
to engage in identifying solutions and moving forward with solutions. This team's done a great job. They have. Okay. Um, and so I just wanted to acknowledge that and make sure that that was part of the record. <laughs> and You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in addition to that, I know that the council wants this to come back uh, to the full council for consideration, and I wanted to get a sense of what kind of time frame uh, the city council uh, was envisioning. I'd work it out with the chief okay. so that the timeline can be part of the report, and, and but I would say, you know, not long. Okay. Reasonable, but not long. Okay? Perfect. Very good. Thank you. Yes. I, I, first, a couple thoughts. I, yeah. I want to thank the chief for recognizing that getting the auditor, the independent auditor's advice and his team's advice on how to conduct your audit and stating that publicly is an important aspect here. Because it, 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 I think it's the, the concern in the history, and that's why I brought up the issue of, you know, an unknown is not good enough for me because in the past, and part of those two pieces of legislation, it was those concerns of, of, uh, of bias that, that led to trying to do something much more stringent. So, you know, thank you for your team for saying, look, we need to make sure we have uh, a, a, you know, professional scientific audit done, and that way we can do better improvement. So I just wanted, Mr. Mayor, thank, before we, I know we were moving here, but I wanted to make sure that we identify, brought that up, that this is with the direction and of the auditor. Thank you, Vice Mayor, for that clarity. Just, we'll be brief, but just to kind of explain the process before uh, SB 22 was passed, it required us, it changed the whole process. It went from now the, the victim to the medical provider and the kits went directly to uh, the crime lab, okay? But previously, I don't think we spoke on what the process was, so it's not like they just got put on a shelf and just sat there. So I'm gonna have Captain Halstead kind of speak to that. Yeah, so before they all went directly to the crime lab, each of those cases would be evaluated by a detective and then in consultation with the district attorney's office quite frequently, whether that case, that sexual assault kit needed to move to the next step, which would be for testing. So a detective looked at each of those cases and evaluated it based on usually a criteria by the district attorney's office and their consultation, whether it needed to be moved for further testing or due to a variety of reasons we talked about investigatively, it did not, uh, it did not get moved to, for testing. Uh, the ultimate decision whether a, a kid is tested or not is made by the district attorney's office. Uh, we, don't, we do not make the, we are not the final say of whether a kid is tested or not prior to 2016. So do you, you don't have like documentation from previous years of why or why not something was tested? There's no documentation from it that you can access from the DA's office? So part of our review that we have to do to the uh, district or to the attorney general's office is a reason why it wasn't tested. So we're gonna go through each of those individual kits and reports and try to determine why, some of those going back nearly 40 years though, why they weren't tested. And when we can get an answer to that, we're gonna report that obviously back to this body and to the, uh, to the state attorney general. What's the cost of a full Th test? There's no cost for us. No, not for you, just what does it cost? I, I, I don't know, that'd be a question for the district attorney's office. A lab test, sure. you know, like, what, what, is it $1,000? Is it, is that what it is, Ms. Carpolo? Or, or city auditor? Yeah, well, I'm sorry, what is it? $700. It's between $700 and $1,000 uh, from what uh, we were able to figure out. 
Okay. And, and maybe the DA. In and just, if DA. I can speak to that, um, I was a detective a long time ago, uh, back in the early 2000s, and to get DNA testing was very hard. So I think the, the science has changed and it's become, for lack of a better term, easier. Uh, the technology is advanced where they can do it for a lot less than what it used to cost back then. When I was a robbery burglary detective, you would never get DNA on a burglary. Today, that's very commonplace. So things have changed over the years uh, with the DNA technology. So, for, Well, not to get too graphic here, but sexual assault involves a different kind of DNA oftentimes, right, that is more easily analyzed? It, it can be. Okay. We have a motion and a second. Thank you. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Oppose, abstain. Very good discussion. Thank you. We're adjourned. Oh, we do have public comment. I'm sorry. I have one hand raised. Oh. Phone number 4366. Oh, uh, for the members who are watching, uh, we have a closed session. I think we should probably go in about 420. Okay. Mr. Davis? Yes, and I, I never go over two minutes, so you'll be able to get to that next meeting. I wanted to say that I'm impressed with uh, Mayor Steinberg and uh, the city council because everybody should be held accountable for whatever it is. I mean, that's, you, you learn that in elementary school, and junior high and high school. Um, this is a very touchy subject, but I thought the mayor and the city council handled it well. They they want accountability. There's nothing wrong with that. And whatever it costs, people should know what the cost is. You know, just blurt out a figure, 700000 whatever. <clears throat> That's why it's a controversy. But there are some people that have been hurt by that. And so just, just true leadership from the mayor and the city council today. I'm impressed with that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anything else, members, uh, members of the committee? Okay. We're adjourned. Thank you.